Well, we are in Joshua. We are in Joshua chapter 8. And as we go through Joshua chapter 8, as you're opening your Bibles, I did want to just mention the subject that we were talking about in our prayer, which is we're going to be talking about our mess-ups. Okay, I know this is a familiar topic to many of us. And one thing that we know is that the Lord either wants to make us better through this, or we know that these mess-ups can make us worse. Lord's desire is that He would make us better. Okay, I want us to know that. I want us to know that God's plan is to make us better through our mess-ups. Okay? I'm going to ask a question for all of you. Okay? How many of us here have messed up? Give me a show of hands. In your Christian walk. Okay, in your Christian walk. How many of us have messed up? Okay? How many of us have royally messed up? Okay? I got two hands going up. I see a few of you doing the same thing. So I know one thing. I know that as we raised our hands, I know one thing, that the Lord has a message for each and every one of us. Because one thing that we know is that you as a Christian will mess up. Okay? You as a Christian are going to mess up. Okay, is that better now? You as a Christian are going to mess up in your Christian walk. We must understand that, that no matter what, as Christians, we will fail. So we must know that and we must understand that. The thing is, is that we should not repeat these same mistakes again, okay? This is one thing that is clear. This is one thing that the Lord is going to show us today. He doesn't want us to repeat these things again. I'm going to share this with you. If I had not messed up in my Christian walk, if I had not messed up in what I have done, I know that I would not be here standing today. See, one thing that is going to be very clear, one thing that is going to be extremely clear from the message that we hear today is that through your mess-ups, God desires to give you a new beginning, okay? If you take anything away from tonight's message is that in your mess-ups, God desires to give you a new beginning, and He will. And we're going to see that today. See, I want to read to you here. I want to read to you because as we look at this, I want to read to you first a psalm, a psalm from, from David. And David wrote in Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24, he actually wrote, he said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. I think many of us heard that before, but what he goes on to say is key to the message that we have today. He says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Okay? I'm going to repeat this. This is important. Though he fall, which we all will, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. See, what God is trying to tell us here is that when you fall, when you mess up, when you fail at things, know one thing, that God is there to pick you up. He's there to uphold you, and he's there to give you a new beginning. See, because our mess-ups, they are mess-ups. They're major mess-ups. And what God wants to do is he wants to just give you a new beginning through your mess-ups. See, we always think that, you know what, when we mess up, you know what, that, that, you know what, that there's no repair, right, that there's no fixing 
And we know one thing is that as we mess up, we know one thing is that the devil's always there telling us that no one else has messed up the way you messed up. How many of you have heard that before? You know what? When we hear it in our minds, we always hear, you know what? There's no one that messed up like you. You're the only one, right? He makes us believe that you and I are the only one that can make these types of mistakes. That these types of failures are just for you and no one else has done these. See, these are all the lives of Satan. See, Satan wants you to believe that you are the only one. He wants you to believe that you are the only one that messes up this way, that fails this way. And because of that, you know what? God can't use you anymore. You know what? God can't use you because of what you've done. And so these are only the lies of Satan that he uses to condemn us. See, one thing about the Lord is that our God is a God of second chances. He is a God of third chances. He is a God of fourth, of fifth, of sixth, of seventh. And he goes on and on and on and on. And he keeps giving us chances. Because, see, this is a God that we serve. Imagine this. Imagine if Christians could only remain as Christians if they never messed up. Would there be any Christians left? I don't think there would be any Christians standing, right? See, but one thing that we know is that that isn't possible. See, because we're people, right? We're being sanctified. We're, we're going through a process. And, and through this process, we know that the work that God has begun in us, he will complete. But during this time, we know that we will continue to mess up. I read this quote the other day. And I thought it would be appropriate for today's study. And it's by Henry Ford. He says here, Henry Ford, the one that started, you know, Ford cars, that created the first automobile. It says here, it says, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. See, failure, as he says, is the opportunity to begin again. See, when we think about this, right, there is much truth to this. See, because God gives us the opportunity to begin anew after we fail. See, because God knows that, you know what, that when we fail, you know what, it is a major foul-up. But you know what, he wants us to begin again. He wants us to give, he wants to give us that new beginning, and that new beginning can only come from him. And this is what he does, and this is what he does with us. I want us to read now Joshua chapter 8, and we're going to read all of this, and then the Lord is going to point out the things that we've been talking about. He's going to point out things that have to do with mess-ups. So let's read the whole chapter, and then we're going to expound as we get, you know, as we begin again in verse 1. So let's read beginning in verse 1 all the way through. It says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. And arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. 
Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and I will come about when they come out against us as when they come against us as at the first, that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say, they are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from his ambush and seize the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them out. And they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near. And they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel, he and all his people at an appointed place, before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward I, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of I looked behind them, they saw and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And they struck them down so that they... Let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, where they pursued them. And when they, had, when they all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day both men and women were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves. 
according to the word of God, of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded and they sh- should, that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it the great heap of stones that remains to this day. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has, yield, has uh, willed, welded an iron too. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on the other side, on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerasim, and half of them were in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, a servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. It's a long chapter. But as we go through this chapter, there's so much that God wants to share. As we read this chapter, it begins, you know, by talking about the words of the Lord. And he gives them words, which is, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. See, I need to give you sort of a background history for those of you that weren't here last week. When we read chapter 7 last week, we talked about the details of sin, didn't we? We talked about the details of sin and how this sin, what it does to us, the destruction that it brings and everything else that encompasses sin, we covered it in great detail. And then... We talked about how as Israel had sinned, how they were unable to conquer this kingdom of Ai. See, in this battle against Ai, they fought against them, right? They went over to conquer them. As they had conquered Jericho, they said, now let's go and take Ai, the city of Ai. And we know as they went out there, right, there was sin in the camp. And because there was sin in the camp, what God did is he did not allow them to have victory. But he allowed I to defeat the Israelites. We know that 36 men of Israel died in this battle. See, they died in this battle. And because they died in this battle and because they were defeated, we know that the people of Israel felt abandoned by God. Because, see, they knew that with God they can do all things. And because they didn't have God on their side and they were defeated, they felt and they believed that God abandoned them. See, the people failed because of sin. And the Lord brought this to their attention. And this is where he begins. And I'm going to read the first two verses because in these two verses are many points that he wants to talk about when it comes to our failures and our mess-ups. It says there in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. 
And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. As we read this, the Lord tells them, do not be afraid or be dismayed. See, the reason why the Lord tells them this is as we read here in Joshua chapter 7, verse 5, after their defeat, it says at the end of verse 5, therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. The hearts of the people melted and became like water. See, what we have here is what our mess-ups bring to us. See, this is what failure brings to us, right? Whenever you have failed, whenever you have messed up, whenever you have just completely just blew it, what comes to you? I want you to know one thing that comes. There's two things that come. One is fear, okay? Fear because you messed up, right? You have a fear of things. You're afraid. And secondly, what happens in your mess up is you become extremely discouraged, okay? This is what happens in our mess ups. And this is what God says here. God says in Joshua, I mean, in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1, he tells Joshua, he tells them, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. See, all of their hearts were melted. They were all, you know what, without courage, right? Their hearts melted. They were afraid. And so the only way for them to get out of this was to hear these words. See, when you look at the word afraid, right, afraid is fear. When we look at the word fear, understand one thing is that fear will happen to each and every one of us. There is, in your mess up, you just become fearful and you become extremely discouraged. See, this is a normal reaction. See, when you do the, a failure or a mess up, it's a normal reaction. It's nothing that no one else feels, okay, that no one else experiences. I want you to know that whenever anybody messes up, this will be the normal reaction, okay? Discouragement and fear. That's the normal reaction because the devil wants you to think that it's only you, okay? And he's going to allow, and he wants you to continue to walk in fear and in discouragement. But this is a normal reaction for everyone. And so, for you and I, you and I, as the Lord brings us with the first point, that, it, that our failures bring us both fear and discouragement. Okay? That's what it means when it says dismay. Dismay means discouragement. You've lost all courage and you've lost all hope. Okay? So point number one was that failures will bring both fear and dismay. Okay? But as we read that we heard something here from the Lord. And this is what he wants to tell us when it comes to point number two. He wants you to replace fear with the truth of God. Okay? Understand that. Point number two is he wants you to replace fear with the truth of God. See, you and I, when we read the word of God, it is filled with promises and with truth. And you and I, when we mess up, we must come to a place of replacing 
our mess-ups, our fears, our discouragement with the truth of God. See, and what God is giving them here is he is giving them his word. Are you going to trust me to not be afraid? Are you going to trust me to not be dismayed, to be discouraged, not to have courage or hope? You got to trust me in this. You cannot be this way. See, for us, understand this, is that when you do something that is a complete mess up, that mess up will always tend to immobilize you, right? How many of us, let me give you this, in your mess up, how many of you go over and over this mess up in your mind? And all you do is think about it, right? And all you're thinking about is how you messed up. All you're thinking about is how you failed. And this goes on over and over in your mind. And it keeps you from doing what God has asked you to do. And here what he's asking you to do is to replace this with the truth of his words. See, you and I must refocus our eyes from the mistake to the word of God. We must train ourselves to do this. See, if you continue to focus on your mess up and your failures, it will immobilize you. It will bring you down. See, you and I must all of a sudden must replace these things with the Word of God. We must read the Word of God. And whenever we fail, whenever we mess up, just like he told Joshua and the Israelites, do not be afraid or be dismayed. This Word is for us. When you and I mess up, he wants us to walk, not in fear and not in discouragement. He's telling us, don't walk this way. Yes, you messed up. I understand that you messed up. But see, there's things that must take place. When this happens. See, and this is the, 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 the third point that I want to make. Because, see, it leads right into this point. See, when you and I fail, right, and it brings fear, it brings dismay, this discouragement. The Lord says, I want you to focus now on my word. Because in my word, I want to give you a new beginning. Okay, that's point number three. Understand this, that God wants to give us a new beginning. See, this is the grace of God. This is the mercies of God. This is the heart of God. See, God desires to give each and every one of us a new beginning. And why I say this is because, see, the heart of God is one of love. See, just because you fail, it doesn't lessen the love of God. In your failure, it doesn't lessen the love of God. God loves you no matter what. God loved you and he died for you even when you were a sinner. So he still loves you even when you fail. I'm going to give you some scriptures to give you the heart of God. See, because Satan wants you to think that you blew it, that God wants nothing to do with you, that God doesn't love you anymore. But when we look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he reveals to us really what he's asking us to do because this is his heart. He says here, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. See, God's love covers a multitude of sins. If he's asking us to exercise that, right, then that is his heart. And this is what he reveals to us in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, no matter what, understand this, is that your failure cannot separate you from the love of God. Okay, no matter what you've done, no matter what it is, and because it can't separate you from that, God desires that he, that you would start afresh. See, this is God's heart. See, because he loves you so much that he wants to give you this new beginning. He wants us to start all over again. See, one thing about God is he loves to do this because he knows that we are mess ups. He knows we are people and we will mess up. And see, and God loves to do this. This is God. This is how God shows himself to be so gracious, so wonderful, so loving, so amazing. And God loves to do this when we mess up. I'm going to give you a personal testimony. And the reason I give you this personal testimony is so that you can see the depths of his grace, okay? And the depths of his love and the depths of, 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 of just his mercies and all that he is. See, I was an elder at uh, a Calvary Chapel, right? And I had, at the time when I was there, I really felt that the Lord was asking me to leave. And so, you know what? I came to my pastor and I told my pastor, you know what? It's time for me to move on. And my pastor was like, you know what? I don't think so. I really don't think it's time for you to move on. And I thought it was, right? And so he said, you know what? It's not. And I decided to go ahead anyways, to leave. And so, you know what? As I left, there wasn't a peace about it, right? But I decided to leave anyways. See, I didn't have a peace within me. I didn't have, you know what, his, his, his blessing. I didn't have, you know what? I just, it just wasn't right, right? And, and inside of me, I knew that, you know what, it was wrong. And even though some people counseled me and said, you know what, it's fine. It's, it's, it's okay. You know what, you should go on, right? But deep down inside, I knew that it was the wrong decision. See, I really believed and I knew for a fact that I had abandoned that ministry. See, it wasn't my time. And in abandoning that ministry, I knew that, you know what, that, that I messed up, right? You know what, I... I really failed there, right? And, and so in all of this, I thought, you know what, that's it. You know what, I failed. And, and you know what, and, and it was one of those things that it was just constantly on me. I never had a peace. And so in all of this, right, you know what, I could have done one thing. I could have just stayed in, in my failure and just not made it right. But instead, I decided to make it right. I decided to, you know what, to not be discouraged anymore and not to be afraid. And I went back and I made things right. I went back to the church and I made things right. And I made things right there. And, and you know what, and I knew that as I made things right that this was what God wanted me to do. See, but the issues within me, God needed to work out. See, I had issues within my heart, right? And this is why I left. See, it, it had everything to do with me. And yet, if I would have focused on my decision, my wrong decision, and just kept thinking about it and focusing on it, time and time again, and not doing what God was asking me to do, then it would have got the best of me. 
See, but instead, I did not want to do that. Instead, I did not want to continue to dwell in my mistakes. And so what I decided to do is I decided to make things right. And see, in me deciding to make things right, and the reason I bring this up right now is because God wanted to begin a new beginning with me. See, if I never would have gone back, then I wouldn't be standing here today. See, this is the grace of God. This is the mercy of God. See, there were these lumps and these problems within me that God needed to deal with. And my mess up, my failure of abandoning that ministry was all for the glory of God. See, because if I were to listen to the devil and I would have continued to remain in my, with the issues of my heart, then I never would have went back. And this ministry wouldn't have ever started. See, this is what's so amazing about God. See, because God desires through our mess-ups to make a new beginning with us. See, God can only do this when we acknowledge, when we surrender, when we say, you know what, Lord, I messed up. You know what, I could have continued to be extremely discouraged, but as David says, you know what, I allowed the Lord to uphold me. And you know what's so amazing? I want to share this with you, is that through my failures in the ministry, that God has counted me worthy to shepherd a ministry. See, only God can do this. See, only God can take failures and make them into victories and opportunities and new beginnings. See, many of us can say, you know what, when I mess up, God's going to say, you know what, you're not worthy anymore. You've lost it. You know what? I can't use you anymore. See, many people think that, and those are the lies of Satan. See, Satan will only lie to you to keep you from all that God has for you. See, because there are so many things that God wants to do with you. God wants to give you a new beginning. And when we look at the Bible, the Bible is filled with men and women that had major failures. And yet God gave them a new start again after they failed. See, this is what's so amazing about our Lord. Because he turns failures into great opportunities and into new beginnings. See, when we go back to chapter 8 here, after the Lord told Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. He says, take all the people of war with you. Rise, go up to I. See, I have given into your hand the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. See, I just telling Joshua, what I want you to do is I want you to not be afraid, okay? Don't be discouraged. You know what? You guys messed up, but I'm going to start all over with you again. And what he says here, and what he's trying to tell us here today, which is point number four, 
that just because you and I fail doesn't mean that God will fail. Just because you and I fail does not mean that God will fail. See, God's plan can never be voided. God's plan was always to give the people of Israel, right, the promised land. And he was going to do it. And with these people, you know what? He decided that these were the ones that he would carry out his plan with, the second generation. But see, the second generation, they had a failure. They had a mess up. And in this mess up, it didn't stop the plan of God. See, because as they realize their mess up, God tells them, you know what? Now that you've dealt with your mess up, guess what? I am going to move and give you I. See, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. See, I love this verse, right? Because how many of us have ever failed the Lord? How many of us have ever lacked walking in our faith to do what he has called us to do? I think many of us have, right? And because we fail, because we've been, what, without faith, that, you know what, he remains faithful. And to me, this is a great encouraging verse. See, because no matter what, God remains faithful. See, when you mess up, it doesn't mean that, you know what, that that's it. That God's plans for you can never take place. He is faithful to do what he has called you to do. The plans that he set before you. What he wants you to walk in. See, these plans that God has for us, he will do them. But see, he brings us to point number five. In order for God to do them, in order for God to fulfill the works that he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, point number five is I must acknowledge my failures and I must repent of my failures. Point number five, I must acknowledge my failures and I must repent of my failures. See, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It tells us, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. This is what the Lord does. See, he wants to lift you up, but you and I must first humble ourselves by coming to him and doing as he says. See, Joshua did exactly what the Lord said. Joshua, he told Joshua, there's a sinner in the camp. And this sin that is in the camp has brought the nation down. And so Joshua, you know what? He, he addresses the sin. He acknowledges the sin. And he does as God asked him to do. See, he identifies who the leaven of Achan. Remember, it was Achan that brought this sin unto the nation of Israel. See, when you and I identify our mistakes, when you and I identify our failures, our mess-ups, when we repent of them, God can move, and he can move powerfully as he says here, I will give you back the city. And so the Lord tells Joshua, as he says there, and you shall do to I, in verse 2, and its kings, as you did to Jericho and and its king, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush behind the city. 
See, the Lord tells Joshua in this verse, he says, you know what? You can take everything in the city. You can take the booty. You can take the riches. You can take, you know what, all the, 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 the things that you see, the precious metals, and you can take them for yourself, the garments, all the materials. You can take it all for yourselves. Remember in Jericho, remember what, what did the Lord tell him? You cannot take anything that's in Jericho, right? And whatever you take, all the precious metals, you're to give them to me. Isn't that what he said? But everything else you destroy. And Achan decided to steal from the Lord because these were the first fruits. Remember, this was the first victory in the promised land. And the first fruits always belong to who? To the Lord. This was the second battle. And the Lord says the second battle is now what? That's for you to take. See, Jericho, all that stuff was mine. This stuff at I is for you to enjoy. When you look at Achan... See, when God told Joshua this, you can take everything. Only if Achan would have waited, right? But see, he had sin in his heart. And that sin manifested itself. See, Achan, at this time when he went into Ai, he could have taken all the garments, all the gold, all the silver that he found. But instead, what? He decided to disobey the Lord. And he took it from Jericho. And so the Lord had to deal with him. But as we look at this, right? No one thing, and I want you to understand this, that when we disobey the Lord, the Lord will chasten us, right? We know that. As Christians, you will be chastened. But when you obey the Lord, right, we receive the blessings of God. And it's so much sweeter and so much nicer when you and I receive the blessings of God because, see, when he blesses you, he blesses you so much greater than you could have ever thought or imagined. See, Achan, think of this, right? He was thinking, you know what? I'm going to take all of this. Instead of just waiting on the Lord and allowing the Lord to bless them beyond what he could have ever asked or thought. And this is what he tells us in Ephesians chapter 3. That the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think. See, this is the Lord. And I want to bring this up as we finish there in verse 2. He says, lay an ambush for the city behind it. Point number six, and I want us to understand this point, because see, in point number six, what the Lord tells us here is that you are able to hear his voice clearly after you repent, okay? You are able to hear his voice clearly after you repent of your mess up, your failure, whatever sin it is. When we look at the scriptures, right, in Psalm 66, 18, all of us have heard this. It says, if I regard inequity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. See, one thing about Joshua is that he was able to hear the Lord's voice clearly, right? And why was this? Because they had dealt with the sin. See, when the Lord says, I want you to lay an ambush, he knew exactly what he needed to do. The Lord actually told him in verse 1, he also told him, I want you to take the people of war with you. See, if there is a problem within us, 
if there's an issue or sin, inequity within us, you know what? There's a disconnect with the Lord. I, I want you to realize that, right? If you are practicing sin, if there is something in you that you have not confessed and you continue to practice it and you continue to live in it, God's not listening. And you won't be able to hear the voice of God. What you're hearing is your emotions. You're hearing the lies of Satan. And this is why Satan has a heyday with us. And see, and so what happens here is that as we see this, we know one thing is that the Lord is speaking to Joshua, and Joshua is hearing him clearly. See, one thing about the Lord is that the Lord will always speak to us when you mess up, after you acknowledge, after you confess. You will hear the Lord clearly. I want you to know that. See, when I came to the place of realizing, you know what? I can't walk in my failure anymore. I can't walk in this complete mess up of abandoning the ministry. I can't do that anymore. And I confessed it. And all of a sudden, the voice of God was speaking to me clearly as to what I needed to do. And I followed. See, this is the way the Lord works. I want you to know this. He works this because we see it in the scriptures. There is one person, and I think we can all relate to this man because he was a major mess up, right? And his name was Peter. He walked with the Lord, but he was constantly what? Messing up. You know what? He is really, you know what, just the, the, the person to look to when you mess up. Okay, if Peter did it, you know what? He'll walk with the Lord, who saw the Lord. And if he messed up and the Lord still accepted him, how much more would he accept me, right? I want us to open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, we're going to begin to read in verse 31. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, guess what? You're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, there's no way. You know what? What I will do is I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. Let's read this in verse 31. It says, and the Lord said, to, said Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to me, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you knew me. Imagine the bold statement that Peter says. And the Lord tells him, hey, you know what? Stop talking. You're going to do this. Jump, to me now, jump with me now to verse four, uh, 54. And let's look at the denial that Peter does. It says, having arrested him, Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But F Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But Peter denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he, still, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
And then it finishes by saying, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Right here in verse 62 is where many believe where Peter repented. This is where Peter repented. Let me ask you, when you messed up, how many tears have you shed? How many times have you gone into a dark place and just cried and cried? You know what? I did this. I know exactly what Peter's doing there. Because, see, I did the same thing. When I messed up royally, I just cried and I cried when I finally said, you know what? I messed up. I truly messed up. See, this is the heart of a man. See, but what you do after that really depends on your future with the Lord. See, what you're going to do after that, are you going to remain in your sorrow? Are you going to remain immobile? Are you going to continue to repeat this over and over again? How many times probably Peter said, you know what? I shouldn't have told that man that. I shouldn't have told the girl that. I should have just said, yes, I'm Peter. I walked with God. He could have gone over this, and the devil would be telling Peter over and over again, you're a failure. You denied him. This is what Jesus told you. Of all things, you still did it. You're not worthy of the Lord. You're a failure. You're a mess up. But see, look at what God does. This is what's so amazing about the Lord. See, this is what he does with everyone who comes to him after they acknowledge and repent. Let's open up our Bibles to John. In John chapter 21. In John chapter 21. We read here first in verse 7. It says, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. What's happening here, just so you know, is the fact that after Jesus resurrected from the dead, all the apostles, not all of them, but most of them, they go back to the sea and they did what they were doing before, right? They were fishing. And all of a sudden, they hear Jesus out there. They hear this man saying, cast your nets to the right. And they cast their nets and all of a sudden, they catch this fish. And John recognizes that voice and he says, there's only one that could say that. And he tells Peter, Peter, guess who it is? It's Jesus And as soon as he says this, guess what Peter does? Peter jumps in the sea. He swims to the shore, and he goes to the Lord. And you know what the Lord does? The Lord doesn't reject them. The Lord doesn't say, hey, you denied me three times. Forget you, brother. You know what? You messed me up, right? He doesn't do that. What does he do? Look at what he tells Peter. He says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Peter does exactly this. See, when you mess up, understand one thing. 
that the voice of God will speak to you just like he spoke to Peter. The voice of God will tell you to do something and you must immediately jump and do as he says. See, because God is, he's not, he knows your heart, but he's testing you. He is testing you to see because before in your failures and your mess ups, right, you completely disobeyed his word, didn't we? We didn't listen to what he said. And because we didn't listen to what he said, he will now speak to you to ask you to do something. And it's your responsibility if you're truly repentant that nothing will keep you from doing what God is asking you to do now. And this is what you must immediately do. Just like Peter. He spoke to Peter and Peter did exactly what he, the Lord asked him to do. You know what? When God asked me, you know what? You got to go make things right. I'm sorry I messed up. Go make things right. What did I do? I went to make things right. It wasn't easy, but I let the Lord uphold me. You know what I did? I let fear and discouragement just, I put that behind me. And I wasn't afraid. I wasn't dismayed. And I did what I had to do. See, God's voice asks us to do things when we mess up. What are you going to do? Are you going to continue to disobey his voice? Or are you going to do as he says? See, this is the beginning of a restoration process with you. This is the beginning of a new beginning. See, because before you didn't want to do what he says. But now God is saying, you know what? You messed up. Are you willing to start anew again? Are you listening to my voice because I'm speaking loud and clear because you're hearing me now? There's no sin that separates me from you, right? My voice is loud and clear. Are you going to do this? Are you going to do what I've asked you to do? When we look at this, know one thing, that God has a perfect plan. And we must desire to walk in that plan. See, I want to give you another example. I want to give you another example. And we're not going to finish uh, the chapter today. I thought I would, but there's just no way. When we look at Mark, John Mark, okay, Mark was what? He was a disciple. He wasn't an apostle, but he, we know that he was a disciple. He was a follower of Christ. He was a young man that came to know the Lord. And we know one thing about John Mark is that, you know what, he was a nephew of Barnabas, right? Remember Paul and Barnabas, they went out in the first missionary journey. They went to, the, you know, to, to uh, they went out there and, and they went out. And, and as they went out, there were hundreds and thousands of of, of people, of Gentiles that came to know the Lord. And John Mark went, right? And so what happens is that when they're out there, he abandons the ministry. Imagine that. He leaves the ministry. He says, you know what? This is too hard, right? For whatever reason, we don't know exactly why he left, but he left it, right? There was an issue within his heart, right? Because he wouldn't have abandoned him. Did Paul abandon the call of God? Did Barnabas abandon it? Hey, no matter how hard it is, we don't quit. But yet, Mark decided to quit. And so, we know one thing. That as he quit, Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark again. 
And Paul says, there is no way I'm taking that kid again. That, that kid isn't fit. That kid abandoned us. You know, was Paul wrong in what he did? Only God knows. But it was used for Mark. See, because what Mark had to experience, he had to experience the chastening for his sin. See, he quit on them. He said, you know what? No more. See, but God had another plan. See, because you know when he was rejected by Paul, imagine the thoughts and the heyday that the devil would have played on Mark's, in Mark's mind. He must have been telling him, you know what? You quit. You're a quitter. You're, use, you're good for nobody, right? You're always going to be branded as a quitter. For the rest of your life and throughout eternity, you're going to be branded as a quitter, right? And Mark could have said, you know what? You're right. I give up. You know what? I'm just going to stay home. And I'm just going to do something over here. No. You know what he decided to do? Exactly what he told Joshua to do. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. You get up and you do what's right. And you know what Mark does? He does exactly this. And you know what? God gave him a brand new beginning as he failed in the Lord. God gave him a brand new beginning, and he counted him worthy enough to write the gospel according to Mark. That we would have this gospel throughout our lifetime and the lifetime to come. And we know one thing about the word of God, that the word of God will continue. The word of God will continue forever and ever and ever. It will not pass away. Understand one thing. That the Lord will turn defeats into victories. He will turn failures into opportunities. And he will make mess ups into new beginnings. This is what God does. This is what he does with people that mess up. And every child of God messes up. What you do with that is now up to you. See, when we look at the life of Mark, look at what Paul thinks of Mark in his final days. When Paul was ready to be, you know what, killed and martyred, this is what he thinks of Mark. He says, only Luke is with me, but I want you to get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. He is useful for me in ministry. As we think about that, right? This guy that failed Paul, he is now useful. Why? Because Timothy, I mean, because um, Mark, Mark decided, you know what? I'm not going to let this discouragement, I'm not going to let my failures, I'm not going to let my mess-ups keep me from doing what God has called me to do. Our God is a God of second chances, of third, of fourth, of fifth, of sixth, of seventh. When you mess up, you get up. You listen to the Word of God. You, 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 you obey the Word of God. You know what? You understand that God doesn't fail. It's us that fail. We must understand that God wants to give us a new beginning. And this is what God wants to do in each and every one of us. You know, when I look at, at the great men of faith, right? 
when you look at Abraham and you look at his life, how many times did he mess up? How many times did he mess up with Sarah? Not just once, right? With his own wife, he was willing to give her to the king and to Pharaoh. Don't say I'm your husband. They're going to kill me. You know, when we look at, at just uh, Moses, you know, as we look at the life of Moses, you know what? Moses, how many times did Moses mess up? You know, in the beginning when, when he was there in Egypt, we know one thing is that, you know what, he thought that it was his time to deliver them. And it wasn't his time. God needed to work out in his heart, and he decided to take matters into his own hands, and he killed one of the Jews, I mean, one of the Egyptians. And so, you know what, he goes into the wilderness 40 years. The Lord deals with his heart for 40 years as he's shepherding these sheep. When you look at the life of Samson, what about Samson? You know what, Samson that went after his flesh, right? He wanted Delilah. He just wanted the girl, right? He didn't care about anything else. He wanted the girl. And God gives him a second chance to redeem himself. And with his eyes plucked out and, you know what, his hair just, I mean, he's just all in chains. God gives him a second chance. You know, when we look at King David, what happened with King David? Remember King David with Bathsheba? Think of that. Imagine King David with Bathsheba. He had, you know what, mighty king, the, the, the greatest king apart from Jesus of Israel. He failed several times. He fails with Bathsheba. He fails when he takes the census. But yet, God would always give him a new start, a new beginning. See, as we look at Peter, as we looked at Mark, and the countless others that are in the Bible that have failed, and God gave them a new beginning. God did a mighty work through them. I do want to bring this up to you because, see, there's other men in the Bible that messed up royally, that messed up big time, but none of them ever repented. You know, when we look at King Saul, King Saul, right, filled with pride, filled with ego, doing his own will, doing what he wants to do. All of those times, he had an opportunity to make things right with the Lord, didn't he? He could have said, Lord, I am sorry I'm dropping to my knees and I ask for your forgiveness. Myself, my ego, my pride. I just want to get rid of it. He didn't do that. When you look at Achan, the same thing. Achan acknowledged what he did, but he didn't repent of it. And when we look at Judas, Judas Iscariot. Judas, remember Judas? What did Judas do? When he betrayed the Lord, as he betrayed Jesus, what did he do? He hung himself. He acknowledged his sin, but he didn't repent of it. See, you and I are given an opportunity when we mess up. Are you going to repent and allow the Lord to begin afresh with you? To do a mighty work through you? 
Or are we going to dwell in our failures? Are we going to become fearful and discouraged? Or are we going to walk in victory, in opportunities, in a new beginning? See, the choice is ours. I'm going to share one final point. What happens at the end of Joshua, and we're not, we'll cover this next week. Moses had instructed the Israelites. He says, you know what? When you go into the promised land, what I want you to do, I want you to go into the land of Shechem, which is between Mount Ebal and Mount Garrison. And what I want you to do there is I want you to get these stones, and I want you to write the law on the stone. And what else I want you to do is I want you to gather half of the tribes on one side on Mount Ebal and the other half on Mount Garrison. And what I'm going to do is I want you to read blessings and cursings. And when you read them, the people are to shout out amen. Okay? And then I want you to read the law. Okay? And I want them to hear it. And I want them to renew their covenant with me. But that covenant that they were renewing was based on the law. See, for many of us, for all of us, I should say, we don't have a covenant based on keeping the law. We have a covenant that is based on faith. We have the new covenant that is strictly based on faith. These people, when they failed him, when they failed the Lord, they went to the valley of Shechem, to the land of Shechem. And when they went there, they went there to renew the covenant. See, for us, God is asking us, for those that have failed and for those that have not acknowledged your failures, it's a time to renew our commitment to him. It's a time to make things right with him. See, because many of us, as we walked in our failures, there's some things that maybe we haven't confessed. And only you know your failures. Only you know your mess-ups. But God knows them. And God wants us to make things right with him. So what I'm going to do now, I want everybody here to just bow your heads. I want everybody here to just close your eyes. And what I'm going to ask, you know, as the Lord spoke to us just on mess-ups, on failures, on mistakes, I want everyone just to keep their eyes closed. And this is a time just to renew your commitment to Him. Maybe this is something that has been hindering the work that God wants to do through you. Maybe this is hindering things that God has ordained for you to walk in. And it's a time to renew your commitment with him. And for you, as we have our eyes closed, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone here that wants to renew this commitment with the Lord, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to pray. So for everyone that wants to renew a commitment with everyone's eyes closed, with everyone's heads bowed. If you want to do this, I'm going to ask you to stand now. Stand up, and you can renew your commitment to the Lord. Anybody that wants to do this, stand up.
anybody. Amen. Anyone else? Stand up. Amen. Anyone else? Stand up. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Stand up. It's about making things right with you. about making things right with you. I'm going to let you just ponder on your walk and those that are standing remain standing. But those that are just thinking about what your commitment, your walk with Him has been. And if you want to stand up and want us to pray for you, we're going to give you that opportunity to do so. to work. And the only way for God to work is when you just make things right. You've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And He will exalt you in due time. Today is that time. to immobilize you. He doesn't want you to walk in what God has for you. Anyone else? Before we close, stand up. Anyone else? Lord, you see all these that are standing, Lord. Lord, just as the Israelites, as they renewed their commitment to you, as they shouted with an amen, we're here just to make things right with you. For those that are standing, I just want you to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've messed up. And I'm here to repent. I'm here to make things right with you. I'm here to humble myself before your mighty hand. Lord, I'm standing because... standing because I want to do as you say. I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with you. And so I give this to you. Relieve me. Release me from its bondage. And thank you for counting me worthy. Use me 
for your glory and for your honor. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for being a God of second chances. I love you. I praise you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can all be seated. If there's, uh, you need prayer, I know that we have counselors here and they're willing to pray with you and they're willing to talk to you. So if you need to speak with anybody, they're here for you. And if not, we'll see you in the fellowship hall. God bless you all.
us out of your will. We praise you and we thank you here tonight for your awesome love and for your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. God bless everyone.